0: This is Denise Lee Yon, and welcome to the Brand as Business Bites podcast. The Brand as Business Bites podcast features great stuff for your brain to chew on, including insights and interviews with newsmakers, brand builders, and thought leaders. It's available on iTunes and on my website, DeniseLeeYon.com. Today, I'm talking with Ari Wineslige, founding partner of Zingerman's Community of Businesses, which includes Zingerman's Deli, Zingerman's Creamery, and Zingerman's Bakehouse. Now, Zingerman's has been one of my favorite brands ever since I discovered it in college when I visited my friends who were attending the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And we would treat ourselves to Zingerman's Sandwiches. Once I became a student of brands, I discovered that Zingermans was a very admirable brand given its unique culture, standards of operation, and business model. People around the world study and learn from Zingermans on how to run great businesses, become great leaders, and build great brands. So I was delighted when I got to meet Ari at a conference earlier this year that we were both speaking at. I have so enjoyed reading Ari's book, and I'm glad he's here today to talk with me about his latest book, Zimmerman's Guide to Good Leading, Part 4 A Lapsed Anarchist Approach to the Power of Beliefs in Business. Welcome, Ari.
1: Thanks for having me on, Denise. It's a pleasure.
0: Now, Ari, as the title of your book suggests, this is part four in a series of books that you've written about business and leadership, and you've written so much good stuff that I feel like we could talk for hours, but I'm really going to try to keep our conversation focused today on your new book and the topic of the power of belief in business. So let me start with a quote from your book. You write... Every single thing we do, every single thing we experience, everything others around us do is being radically influenced and more often not initiated by beliefs. Strongly held beliefs are at the core of everything we experience. So tell me how you came to this conclusion.
1: Yep, it's, uh, well, that's the whole book. It's, uh, you know, obviously I knew, it's not like the term beliefs was unfamiliar to me. But I, I think at least in my, uh, you know, life experience, which isn't that short, uh, mostly beliefs focus in, in conversation, focus around religion, politics, and sports, where people sort of banter back and forth. You know, people rarely change their minds, but they <laughs> they share their beliefs pretty quickly. But uh, I really had never thought very much about uh, the importance and, and, and critical nature now, I would say, of beliefs in the work that we do and in, and of course it's it's 100% applicable in our lives outside of work too but you know because it's framed as a business book that's how it's set up but mm-hmm. uh two two things got me going uh one was really out of a frustration i was having with a work group that we had put together we we have about 700 people in the organization uh we do about 60 million dollars in sales and we have i think uh 10 businesses now so we're 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 sort of always pulling together uh work groups across the organization to deal with big issues, and we had a quality issue uh that extended across the organization and uh and as a result, we pulled together this work group of partners, key staff uh et cetera to deal with it uh, as you know from the earlier books, we do a lot with visioning, so we wrote a coal vision for the project uh, some of the people on it had equity We had a lot of seniority. All the things that you would think by all rights normally would make a work group successful. And yet it just would not get going. And there was clearly a quality problem. So it wasn't like it was a fallacious construct. We we needed to deal with this, but they just couldn't get any traction. And around that time, I was reading Bob and Judith uh, Wright. Uh, they have a book uh, called Transform. They run the Wright Institute in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And in there, uh, among other things, is a little cycle. It's on page 91 of my book. And uh, it's basically a self-fulfilling belief cycle. So I learned it from them. They learned it from somebody else they can't remember, so I don't know who to give credit to. But it's (laughs) been a transformative thing as per the title of their book. So really quickly, and I know people can't look at it, but basically uh, we start with a belief. Uh, Based on our beliefs, we will take action. Uh, based on our actions others around us will form beliefs about us or about the work at hand and then they will act based on that belief so in a really simple uh, workplace setting let's say uh, somebody has low self-confidence they believe that people don't really care about their perspectives and opinions based on that belief when they get in a meeting what's the what's the action they're likely to take typically they won't say anything they'll be quiet through the meeting all the time Based on their quiet and, and lack of participation, the others in the meeting start to believe that they don't care or they don't have much to say or they're not really have, contributing or interested in contributing or committed to the organization. And based on that, people will then, of course, not ask their opinion and leave them out of conversations, which will just reinforce the original belief
0: <laughs> that
1: no one cares about their opinions. And this works in a positive way, too. So this this cycle is going on all day long in all of our lives. Uh, you know you're in, in marketing and branding work. I mean, when people, you know, the whole point of the brand, right, is to get people to believe certain things about the brand. And for you and I, hopefully, that's based on substance, not on, on flash. But you know, when people buy Zingerman's product, it's in the belief that it's going to be a high quality product, and that the money is going to a organization that focuses on social sustainability, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, when we get in a relationship with somebody, we have beliefs about that person, et cetera. So the beliefs really are everywhere.
0: Wow. So when you use the word beliefs, I'm kind of wondering, like, how do they differ from other words that kind of seem related? Like, um, how do beliefs differ from values or philosophies or principles or just what people consider, like, the truth? Can you explain that right. to me?
1: Yeah, the best thing I'm going to do is actually just read you a quote from another writer, which is Kevin Birmingham, a a British writer who's written a little bit about beliefs. Uh, He said, Beliefs are simply a feeling of conviction or certainty that something is real or true. They're based on our past experiences and what others have taught us. Beliefs are our best guess at reality. So uh, the, 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 the phrases you've used are all related. Uh, Mm -hmm. I guess for me, uh, you know, values basically are are ethical stances, so they are also beliefs.
0: So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I
1: guess what I would say is that all beliefs, all values are beliefs, but not all beliefs Mm -hmm. are values. (laughs) So what we believe about foreign cars, what we believe about uh, what's a reasonable work week, what we believe about Sunday, you know, I'm in an industry that work seven days a week i don't have kids i'm not religious sunday is really no different to me to work sunday than it is to work wednesday uh it's just another day to contribute positively and i don't ever feel bad about working sunday but i think most people in the u.s would say that if they have to work sunday there's some really negative connotation about that and that's a belief right so uh, that's mm-hmm. not a values issue, unless it's about religion. It's not a values issue. It's just something that we've been informed by society or people in our lives who go, "Oh man, what a bummer! You got to work Sunday. That sucks." And right. <laughs> and so out of that, we sort of are we're acting on that belief. And if you can imagine what people's energy would be like if they've been hearing that from their friends all day <laughs> uh, when they get to work, it's unlikely that that day is going to go really well. And it's basically oh. because it started with negative beliefs.
0: Yeah, well, so okay, so that's a really good example of, uh, or a setup for my next question, which is that um, you, in your book, you write that beliefs are not fixed, um, and so that you can actually right. change a belief. And so, in the case of you know the yep. the worker who has to work on Sunday, you, you you'd want them to to change their belief about working on Sunday. So, um, in your book, yep. you lay out a six step recipe for changing the belief, and I was just hoping you could kind of walk us through that and give us an example of when you changed one of your beliefs.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So uh, the the metaphor that I use in the book for beliefs is that they're the root system of our lives. So basically, when you talk to sustainable growers uh, of great produce, it turns out they almost never talk about how the tomato tastes or how the peach tastes. What they always talk to me about is the health of the soil, the root system, and the seed variety. So metaphorically, I started to imagine uh, the soil as the culture of our organizations when it's healthy what does well in it what grows in it will do much better uh, the root system when it's healthy and deep uh, you have you anchor the culture you anchor the soil and what grows above it is tied to that and to the seed that we choose which would be hiring or selection of ideas or val you know concepts that we choose to put into place in our organization so Uh, So the beliefs are the root system. You can't see them, but what comes up above the surface, it's kind of obvious, is directly tied to what's below the surface. Uh, My favorite quote in the book is from uh, Alexander Berkman, uh, an early 20th century anarchist who wrote, you can't grow a rose from a cactus seed.
0: No way around it. So uh,
1: I started to group in the book. There's uh, three categories I look at in beliefs, negative beliefs, neutral beliefs, and positive beliefs uh it's kind of obvious in hindsight but negative beliefs lead to negative outcomes neutral beliefs don't do a whole lot and positive beliefs lead to positive outcomes and in the spirit of alexander berkman's quote you can't get positive outcomes from negative beliefs
0: Mm uh
1: so as we start to become much more aware of our beliefs in all this context we might realize that some of our beliefs uh, are negative and they're causing through that cycle that i went over a few minutes ago negative outcomes that are really not helpful. Uh, So, you know, uh, I wrote about in the book a number of my beliefs that have changed a really simple one. uh, I grew up in a family where no one was in business, and I had very negative beliefs about business. Uh, You know, my limited social experience of business when I as a kid was business did bad things to people generally, and I didn't really want any part of being in one. Uh, And at the two jobs, You know, choices that you got were to put a suit on and work in an office, which I didn't want to do, or work on a factory floor, which didn't sound that great either. And so I had very negative beliefs. My partner, Paul Saginaw, uh, grew up where his grandfather had a very community-minded, very generous spirit uh, business, and he gave Paul these really positive beliefs, right? And so Paul taught me early on when we met uh, in 1978, I guess, you know, that business was just a tool and that... uh, what you did with the tool was up to you. You could do bad things with it or you could do good things. And in the same way you could hit somebody in the head with a hammer and harm them or you could build a home for a family without a home, it's exactly the same hammer. It's just the way you put it to use. So when when we realize that we have a belief that, you know, we we got from our parents, we learned it from society, uh, you know, whatever it might be, there there is a recipe in the book to, to walk people through Uh, making that change, because if we keep the same beliefs, we're going to keep getting the same outcome, even if we try to stop the superficial behavior. Uh, The the corollary, going back to the agricultural metaphor, would be if you pick a weed at the surface line, we all know what's going to (laughs) happen. The weed's going to just grow back. So it looks better for a day or two or a week, but a week later, the exact same weed that was bothering you will be there. And so this is the same in our lives. If we just stop the behavior without changing the belief, it'll look, it'll get better for a little while, but we'll revert right back to it. You know, and by the way, you know, racism is just a negative belief. Uh, You know, so, so those beliefs people inherited, let's say socially in the community or in the news or whatever that they had. And so when we teach people, not in a bad way, classes of what not to say, it's kind of helpful, but mm-hmm. if the belief below the surface doesn't change under pressure, they're just going to revert back to what they're used to. So very right. quickly, the six-step uh, recipe is, number one is to identify the issue. Uh, so if, if there's a, a, let's say you're stressed about working Sundays and it's really causing you a lot of you know, aggravation. And, and then when you get home from work, you're crabby and you're getting in a fight with your significant other and then they're giving you grief. So that would be an issue, right? Mm-hmm. Then we want to backtrack to the beliefs and there's processes in the book of how to do that. But in the moment, let's just say you do that and you say, well, what do I really believe about work on Sundays? I mean, most of us have never taken the time to actually reflect on that, right? So if you say, well, I, you know, my parents always worked Monday through Friday and you know we always believed the weekend was for rest and you know whatever we start to find out what that is then we need to do a little homework you know what where did it really come from you know who put this belief in in my head because we're not born with our beliefs we we learn them from other people Uh, the fourth step is to sort of check the equation what am i getting out of holding on to this belief so maybe there's something to gain from it and it's more important to you to keep the belief that working Sunday is a bad thing but at least you make a mindful choice that these are the outcomes that go with that belief right Mm -hmm. and then the fifth thing if you choose to change it is to consciously make a choice to choose a new belief uh... the, the irony is we think that the data has to come before we adopt the belief but it's actually the other way around which is that we'll start to see things differently when we do change the belief and then you gotta stick with it over a period of months and years uh... to really erode the old patterns right so you know, the root system is not going to just die in a day. Uh, it's, if you're 40 years old, you've got 40 years probably of having this belief, and, and you're not going to change it in four days. So really sticking with it. And there's a bunch of tips in the book about how to do that.
0: Right. And just for my listeners, I would I would echo that, echo that in the sense that, um, you know, Ari is giving us a great overview of what I think is a, um, you know, uh, a process that um, you need to go through. So um, thank you for taking us through that, but definitely you'll want to look, um, or my listeners will definitely want to look at the book to get more information. Um, I do want to talk about beliefs in the context of business. Um, so, and again, mm-hmm. you know, because um, a last anarchist, appro- anarchist approach to the power of beliefs in business. So um, I want to ask you about Zingerman's beliefs. And um, one of them, um, which I think all of them are very interesting, but one that I think really will stand out to people is, uh, counter to the way it's phrased most places, we believe, meaning Zingerman's believes, that the customer is often wrong, but we commit to acting like they're right anyway. Mm
1: -hmm. So explain
0: what you mean by that and um, maybe give an example of how this has shown up at Zingerman's.
1: Yep. Yep. So, I, 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 it's it's one of those phrases that's used throughout every, every service focused organization. You know, well, we all know the customer's always right, but we all know that the customer isn't always right. So, it's sort of it's it's you know, it, it, in my mind. Uh, you create, you know, George Orwell's double speak, right? Which, you know, your your work in marketing, of course, you have high sensitivity to language that's not accurate uh, and that's not tied to reality. So every time we, as leaders, say to our new employees in training, "Well, the customer's always right," we're basically demeaning our own integrity because
0: mm-hmm.
1: they're looking at a black cup and we're telling them it's orange. And they're not going to argue with us because they're the we're the boss, and they're on their third day. Right. <laughs> so they go, "Yes, sir, that cup is is black. Whatever you say, <laughs> you know." But but what happens is people start to the, the whole conversation, the language isn't accurate, and then people's trust in the organization goes down. And we're it seems like a small thing, but basically we're saying we're creating a dysfunctional model of communication. Mm -hmm. And I think that erodes the integrity of the organization. It erodes the belief of the staff in the organization, uh, et cetera. So what we try to do is just tell the truth. Customers are wrong all the time, but, we're going to act like they're right anyway. So the outcome that we get, in, I, theoretically at least, is still the same, which is we're going to treat the guests with dignity even if they're completely wrong and work to find a resolution. And, I, you know, we've refunded money for stuff they bought at other businesses. We've regularly re- replaced product that there's absolutely nothing wrong with, but it's not to their taste, or they ordered the wrong thing, which was their fault, but we're still going to take care of it. Uh, the other day at the roadhouse, I had a woman who dropped her burger on her lap. You know, of course, it's her fault, but we're just going to get another one. So, uh, so, so my point is not to really change the quality of the outcome. We want a very service-focused outcome. But by actually sharing a belief that aligns with reality, back to your earlier question, I think that we're giving a higher integrity message to the staff, which builds their confidence and belief in themselves and in the philosophies and approaches that we're sharing with them.
0: You know, that makes so much sense, and I think that it just, um, as you said, I think it's, um, it, it makes, a I think, a broader statement or th- sends a broader message about the kind of business that you're running, that it is one of integrity and um, one that you can yep. trust in. Um, before we go, Ari, will you please tell my listeners how they can learn more about you and Zingerman's and how they can get a copy yeah. of... All the books in the series, including your latest one, Zingerman's Guide to Good Leading, Part Four, A Last Anarchist Approach to the Power of Belief in Business.
1: Absolutely. So I'm happy to dialogue directly with folks. Uh, my email is ari at dot com, so you're they're welcome to email me with questions or thoughts. Uh One of my beliefs is that I don't really love working in the mass distribution market. We work with traditional full-flavored artisan food. So with the books, we've done much the same thing. We do all the design here in in town ourselves, and we print them here in Ann Arbor, and we're sort of off the grid. So the best place to get them is uh, at our training business, which is Zing Train dot com and while they're there they might be interested uh, if they're if they're listeners of your or appreciators of your work I'm sure they would appreciate the ZingTrain uh, training seminars on leadership on visioning on open book management and customer service which we just talked about uh, so ZingTrain dot com will have all of that and then if they want to see our food because we do mail order and we ship food all over the U S uh, including to you I'm pretty sure uh, we uh, we would have that at Zingerman's dot com
0: yes. And yes, I I have to warn everyone who goes to the site or then gets a copy of the catalog, you will be drooling um, as you're looking at all of this stuff because it just sounds so awesome. Um, I can't um, say enough about how great your food is, but I think what is really remarkable to me, Ari, is that is the foundation of leadership and of business and brand building that's underneath it. So I really um, appreciate you being here with me today to talk through everything, and um, thank you for just kind of putting out, like, a good word out into the business community. It is so needed. So thanks a lot.
1: That's it for today.
0: Thanks for listening to the Brand as Business Bites podcast. Be sure to subscribe to it on iTunes or through my website, DeniseLeeYon.com. And check out my new best-selling book, What Great Brands Do, the seven brand building principles that separate the best from the rest. Go to whatgreatbrandsdo.com. And remember, good is the enemy of great. Greatness is a choice. Choose to be great.